I'm excited for what God is going to do in 2020. But I know that 2020 may not be a good year for everybody. Maybe for some of you, 2020 is already proving that it's going to be a difficult year. Maybe for some of you, it's already proving to be a difficult year because in a couple weeks, there's going to be the, the college football national championship and Ohio State's not in it, right? So that's what you're already like, man, 2020 is going to be awful because Ohio State's not playing in the national championship. But on a more serious note, there's going to be things that we may face in 2020 that are not going to be good. Maybe in 2020, I don't want any of these things to happen, but maybe in 2020, you could lose your job. Maybe you will suffer a loss. Maybe you'll struggle in your marriage. Some of you might fight depression and anxiety in 2020. Whether we like it or not, in 2020, these are things that can, and for some of us probably will, happen. It's unavoidable. The fact is, we want 2020 to be the best year yet, but it could bring with it a lot of difficulties and hardships. 2020 may end up feel like God is really bringing you through the fire. But I want to encourage you today that even in 2020, there is another in the fire. There's somebody else in the fire. God is with you. You're not going to be alone. Today, we're going to be in Daniel. We're going to be in chapters 1 through 3, mainly in chapter 3. You probably know where I'm going with this. But we'll start in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel 3 is the story of three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sure that's very familiar to some of you, uh, if not all of you. It's a very familiar story. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, experience that even in the fire, God is with them. They experience that there is another in the fire. And when the fire comes, you can know this too. You can know that there's somebody there with you. So the book of Daniel begins by telling us that Judah had Jehoiakim as their king, but a man named Nebuchadnezzar soon took over. All right. Bear with me, if I accidentally say Nebuchadnezzar, that's because that's how I say it in my mind as I was typing my notes, so I would spell it right. So if I say Nebuchadnezzar, just bear with me. It's Nebuchadnezzar, so I'm going to try to say it right the whole time. But Nebuchadnezzar, he became the king. He took over. He's now the king of Judah, and he wants to make his kingdom better. So in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel. And of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom has no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So the king, he brought these elite men, these men who were just really good at everything, brings them into his kingdom to make his kingdom better. He tries to indoctrinate them. He tries to change them from who they are into what he thinks that they should be. He takes these four men that the Bible mentions, named Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The king tries to feed them his food. He changes their names, and they were in training for three years. So he took Daniel's name, which means God is my judge, and he changed it to Belteshazzar, which means Bel's prince, one of their false gods. Then he takes Hananiah, which means beloved by the Lord, and he changed it to Shadrach, which means illumined by the sun god. Then he took Mishael, which means who is as God or like God, as in he acted like God would, and was changed to Meshach, meaning who is like Venus, another one of their gods. Then Azariah means the Lord is my help, but it was changed to Abednego, meaning the servant of Nego, another one of their gods. So they took their, their names, their, even just what they were called, that represented that they were in a, in a God-honoring relationship, 
and they changed it and changed their names to where they were literally trying to make them worship the false gods. They did everything that they could to change these people. Nebuchadnezzar was trying to change these men into his image, but these men had already already decided they were going to continue transforming into the image of Christ. Daniel and the three other men asked if they could eat their own food rather than the king's food and see who looked better at the end of 10 days. They're like, hey, it's just going to be kind of a test. Okay, we'll see who looks better at the end of the 10 days. So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were found to be better than all the other men in every way. Daniel 1 verses 18 through 20 says, Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So basically, they did as God told them to do. They continued to serve God, and they were found not just better than the others, but ten times better. Ten times, that's a lot. That's a lot better than everybody else. There was no doubt these were the best men in the kingdom. That takes us to Daniel chapter 2. And Daniel chapter 2 starts out with Nebuchadnezzar having a dream. Daniel chapter 2 begins and it says, And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and it was obviously bothering him. It says that it troubled his spirit so much so that he couldn't sleep. So Nebuchadnezzar called all his magicians, all his astrologers, the wisest men in his kingdom And he says, I want you to interpret my dream. So the magicians, they ask a logical question. Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar, what is your dream? And King Nebuchadnezzar says, if you can interpret my dream, and I know that you're going to tell me the truth, then you should be able to tell me what my dream was. So he wants them to tell them what his dream was and then interpret what the dream means. So obviously these magicians, they respond, that's impossible. Only the gods could do this. They're referring to their own gods. They're saying it's humanly impossible for us to tell you what your dream was and then tell you the interpretation of it. This angered the king so much so that he began to kill all of the wise men in the area. All of them in his kingdom. All the the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and that includes Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in that group. They were part of these wise men and they were coming after them to kill them too. So they come to Daniel and his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're getting ready to kill them. And they say, look, if you give us just some time, we can talk with our God, the true God. And I believe I can tell you this dream and the interpretation thereof. So God reveals to Daniel in a night vision what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was and the interpretation of it. Daniel praises God for his faithfulness and sovereignty in revealing the dream. Then Daniel goes straight to a man named Arioch. Arioch is the guy who was trying to kill them. The guy who King Nebuchadnezzar had appointed to go around and kill all the wise men. He tells him that he can interpret the king's dream. So Ariok quickly tells the king and the king quickly wants Daniel to come and interpret this dream for him. So he goes to the king and he tells him that what he is asking truly is impossible. 
what the magicians had said when they said, that's impossible. It's not humanly possible for anybody to be able to tell you what your own dream was. He says, Daniel goes to the king and says, it's true. It is impossible. But I serve the true God and he does, he does the impossible. So I have the dream for you. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was and how there was a great image made of all different substances. Things like iron, clay, and gold. I can imagine Nebuchadnezzar's face as Daniel is telling this, a sigh of relief. I can imagine, remember, his spirit has been troubled. He's lost sleep over this. And finally, Daniel begins to tell the dream and Nebuchadnezzar goes, that was my dream. Now somebody knows his dream. He believes he's going to be able to get the interpretation from it. Daniel then gives the king the interpretation of his dream. Bear with me. This is a bit of a longer passage. But Daniel chapter 2 starting in verse 36. He says this is the dream. He just told him the dream. This is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, forasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay." And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure." So when I first read that, it's a lot, right? It's kind of basically what Daniel is saying. Here's the interpretation. It's the future of your kingdom. We won't go through what everything here means, but he's giving him, hey, there's going to be other people who come. There's going to be other kingdoms. And he gives him the future of what's going to happen with his kingdom. This was not a command to build a statue, but Nebuchadnezzar seemed to have his own interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar ends up promoting Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And Nebuchadnezzar immediately falls on his face and begins to worship Daniel. And then he declares that the God of Daniel must be a true God. But then you get to chapter 3. And this is where we find the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before we get into it, though, I want us to notice just a few things, just a few observations about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. The first thing is that they all chose to serve God no matter what the world around them was doing. They chose, we're going to serve God no matter what. Even if they're going to try to, change, it, try to uh, change us by changing our names, our diet, we're going to stick to serving God. They trusted that God had a purpose in them being there. And they endured hardships knowing that God was there with them. This is just the kind of men that they were. It gives us an idea of their character. They were faithful to God and they knew that God was with them. 
Daniel chapter 3 verse 1 says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Sound familiar? He just had this dream about a statue and then he goes out and builds a statue. But the difference was Nebuchadnezzar decides uh, that this statue is not to uh, declare the future of his kingdom, but this statue is made so that people can worship him. That's its sole purpose is for people to bow down to it and worship Nebuchadnezzar. Beginning in verse 2, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." Obviously, nobody wants to get thrown into a burning, fiery furnace, right? I think it's notable that he doesn't just say, we'll be thrown into a furnace. He says, burning, fiery furnace. It's like saying the same thing three times. Like, this is a a big, bad furnace, basically, that you don't want to be in. So he's saying, you don't want to be in this furnace, this burning, fiery furnace. So when the music begins, as you can imagine, everybody begins to bow. Whether they, they were truly worshiping the idol or not, They didn't want to get thrown in a burning, fiery furnace. So everybody began to bow. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow. They knew the consequences. They were just told what the consequences were. You'd be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. They knew, though, that bowing down to that idol would be wrong. They knew that it was wrong. They knew they were supposed to do what is right and remain faithful to God. You know, sometimes life makes it hard to do what is right. Sometimes there's big consequences if we choose to do what is right. But let me tell you, it is always worth it to do what's right. Think about it. They had every excuse to make. They could have said, we can't serve God if we're dead, right? If they're dead, they can't serve God anymore. They could have said, okay, I'm bowing down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still standing. Right, it's a, it's a heart thing, right? I, I may be de- bowing down on the outside, but on the inside, my allegiance is to God. They could have said, God wouldn't want us to die just because we wouldn't bow down to a silly, fake, not even real idol. God would understand why we did it. God would understand why we had to do this. They could have said, it's okay to bow down because I know who the real God is. I'm not fooled by this, I'm just bowing down so that I don't get killed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, though, are tattled on. Uh, the other wise men, the other Chaldeans in the, in the kingdom, uh, didn't like the position of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were refused, or they were, uh, they were jealous of their position. And they told the king that they refused to bow down, that they would not bow to his idol. And this made the king furious. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego then go before the king. Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, sultry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye will fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, or you're doing well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. If Nebuchadnezzar wasn't mad before, he's infuriated now. The Bible says that his countenance changed. If this was a cartoon, steam would start coming out of his ears, right? That's how mad Nebuchadnezzar now got. Nebuchadnezzar told his men to heat the furnace seven times hotter. Remember, it's already a burning, fiery furnace, and now it's seven times hotter. Nebuchadnezzar commands the most mighty men in his kingdom to bind them and throw them into the fire. Verse 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. How many of you have accidentally ever gotten too close to a fire? Anybody? Yeah, I've done that. I remember one time we were just, it was just like a regular bonfire. We were just having a bonfire and I was going to start the fire. So I poured a bunch of gas on the fire. It was going to be fun. I lit a match. I poured too much gas, lit a match, threw it on and like it, it didn't really blow up in my face, but it was like a good little fireball in my face. And I was like, oh, and I stepped back and I was like, oh, what is that smell? And then I looked at my arm and there was ash all over my right arm. And I was like, oh, and I wiped it and then I didn't have any arm hair on my arm. I burnt off all the arm hair on my arm. Because of the fire, it was so hot, I got too close, and I remember thinking, man, that was hot. I don't, I don't want to be near that, that close. I don't want that to happen again. That was really hot. Nebuchadnezzar grabbed his three most mighty men, or two most mighty men in his kingdom. Now, if I was in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, I'd like to think I would have been one of his mighty men, but I doubt it. I'm not very tall. I'm not super big. Like, I don't think I would have made it in his mighty men crew, right? So it's probably people who were just massive, mighty, mighty men. And they were slain by the fire because they got too close. I didn't like it when I got too close to my bonfire. This just gives us an idea of how hot this fire would have been and how impossible it would be to ever survive if you were in the fire. It's, it's not possible. There's, there's no scientific way that you can prove this or, or disprove it. It's just, it's not possible. The mighty men die just from getting too close. They're doing everything right, though. Think about it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're standing up for what's right. What have they done wrong? Why is God doing this? Why is God putting them through this fire? The fact of the matter is, I'd like to answer that question and be able to give a sound answer for every trial and every fire that every person goes through. But I can't. I just can't do that. God only knows why he did this and why he puts anyone through trials. But the good news is, there's another in the fire. They don't know why they're going through this. 
They don't know why God is making them go through this if they've done everything right. They stood up for what was right. They chose not to bow down to the things of the world and they're getting thrown into a fiery furnace. I'm sure they don't understand why God is doing this to them. But there's another in the fire. So here we are, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the furnace facing certain death. Beginning in verse 23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar is shocked. He sees four men walking in the furnace, and, the, and one of them looks as if it's the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar calls to them. He says, you servants of the Most High God, get out of there. That's what he calls them. He calls them the servants of the Most High God. It's no doubt in his mind anymore who they are serving, because they just survived this impossible burning fiery furnace. The Bible says that they came forth of the midst of the fire. The fire had no power over them. They didn't smell like it. There was no burns. Their clothes weren't burned. They were completely fine as if they had never even been around a a bonfire before. There was no, no signs that they were in the furnace. Nothing. Verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him. And have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar just witnessed a miracle. And he knew that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the true God. There was no doubt in their minds. When people see God work, it's hard to deny his existence and presence in the lives of his children. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful and they did the right thing. As a result of that, God was with them. They didn't know everything that was coming their way. They, they knew that if they bowed down or if they didn't bow down, that there was a chance that Nebuchadnezzar would go through with his word and throw them in the fire. But they didn't know that God would save them from the fire. They didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. But when it did, when the things did happen, they were witnesses that there is another in the fire. So you may be thinking, okay, why did you just lead us through this common Bible story? I've heard it before. It's a a pretty common one. Why believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned that no matter what the fire may be that they're facing, whether in their case it's a literal fire or whether for us it's a figurative fire, there is another in the fire. Okay, so what does that mean for me then? I don't know what you're going to face in 2020. I don't know what I'm going to face in 2020. It's just nothing that we can know. I know what some of you did face in 2019. But I know that God is with us. And whatever fire we go through, God will be there with us. I believe there are some principles that we can learn from this story. The first principle is that they had already decided to serve God before they were challenged. They had already decided to serve God before they were challenged. 
Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel, and I believe the others, had decided that no matter what the world was doing, no matter what this kingdom that they were now in was doing, they were going to do what God wanted them to do. They were going to do what was right. Satan is going to go through is going to throw everything at us that he can. He's going to throw anything and everything at us that he can in order to make us ineffective. If we're going to fight off the devil and his attacks, a huge part of that is being already decided that no matter what, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. If it comes to the issue and you're right there and you haven't already decided, okay, I'm on God's side, odds are you're going to be pulled the opposite direction. But if you come into it and no matter what, I'm doing what God wants me to do. If, if what you're saying is what God wants to do, great, I'm on board, let's go. But if not, no, I'm doing what God wants to do. I'm already decided. If you're not already decided, you have to make a decision in the moment when there's a lot of pressure. They had already decided to serve God before they were challenged. Number two, they continued to serve God when the world tried to change them. Nebuchadnezzar did everything he could to change these men. He changed their names from God-honoring names to names that worshipped false gods. He tried to change everything all the way down to their diet. They were supposed to go through three years of training to become what the king wanted them to be. Satan and the world are going to try to change you in 2020, I promise you. They're going to try to change you into what they want you to be, what they want you to say, who they think you ought to be. That's what they want to do is change you and conform you to their image. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not let Satan's and the world's attempts to change them affect their service to God. They continued to serve God when the world tried to change them. Number three, they were courageous enough to stand against sin. They stood for what was right. In this case, they literally stood for what was right. They didn't bow down, they continued to stand. Everyone was bowing down to what they were told to. Everybody was doing exactly what the world wanted them to do. They said, hey, you better do this because if not, there's a lot coming your way. There's going to be some big consequences. People may judge you. People are going to call you uh, mean names if you don't do this. In their case, your life will be threatened if you don't do this. They knew that there was big consequences if they did not obey what the world was saying they needed to do. They weren't exactly sure what would happen if they did what was right, but they knew that it would please God. In the new year, I can guarantee you there's going to be plenty of opportunities for you to stand for what's right. The question isn't if they will, if they will come. The question is, will you stand for what's right when it does happen? Will you have the courage to stand for what's right? They continued, or they were courageous enough to stand against sin. Number four, they knew God could save them from the fire they were in. Notice I didn't say would, I said could. They knew God could save them from the fire they were in. Nebuchadnezzar just told these men he was going to try again and that they needed to bow. And if they didn't, Nebuchadnezzar says, what God could ever save you from this? Daniel three sixteen and 17 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we, are able to do, whom, we are, whom, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. 
They knew God was all-powerful and that God can do whatever he wants. They actually truly believed, though, that God could save them. How many of us, it's easy to say, hey, look, I know you're going through this trial, but let me tell you, God can get you through it. It's easy to say that, but when we're in the trial and we hear that, we may think, okay, yeah, I've heard that before. We don't actually really believe it sometimes. I know I've been there and I've thought, okay, I know that people say God can get me through this fire. I know that I've said that, but man, will he really do it? Can he really get me through this? They truly believed that God could get them through the fire that they were in. They knew that God could save them from the fire they were in. Number five, they had faith that God knew what he was doing. As soon as they finish saying they believe God can save them, they say this. They say, but if not, they knew and believed that God could save them. But they could not be sure if God would save them. They had faith that no matter what happened, God knew what he was doing. God would not let them die unless it was part of his plan. There's a song, uh, if you heard it at the beginning of the, of the service, it was playing uh, during the countdown and stuff. It's called Another in the Fire. It, it's, it's what inspired me to, to do this sermon, really has been speaking to me over the past few months. And um, Another in the Fire, it's, it's a song that this, this man wrote. He's a, he's a worship pastor. And he wrote this song. He decided he was going to write this song. He began writing it. And he had just finished the chorus Uh, which talks about there's another in the fire standing next to me. Basically how God is with us in all of these things, all of these issues. And while he's writing this song, he gets news back. He has a two-year-old son, and his son uh, was diagnosed with autism. And this was, it was crushing to him. It was was his first son. He wasn't, wasn't really ready for it. And he thought to himself, he thought, okay, I'm, I'm doing everything right at least I think I am. I'm doing everything right. Why did you do this to me, God? Why did you make my son be autistic when I'm doing, I'm doing everything that I can to do what's right? I'm trying to serve you. Why did this happen to me? And then he, he, he began to think, you know, maybe I just, I can't even finish this song. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I give up. And then he began to think of his own song that he's writing. There's another in the fire standing next to me. And he talks about how there's this space between where what's happened and what God has for you to do, God's purpose in your life. And there's a space in between where we just, we don't exactly know what to do. God tells us we should be doing things like praying, reading his word, but we don't know that next step. There's a space in between. He says, in that space in between, I know that you're there with me. I may not know exactly every decision that you want me to make, but I know that you're there with me. And no matter how hard it is, how difficult it may be, you're there with me. And he finished that song. He wrote this song. It convicted his own heart. So why did that happen to him? Why did God diagnose his son or God make his son to have autism? I couldn't tell you. That's the truth. I couldn't tell you. We don't know why God bring things, brings things into our lives all the time. We just don't. But we do know that God is with us even through that. Sometimes it seems as if we are doing everything right. Why would God do this to me? Why would God put me in this fire? The truth is we may never know, but we can know that there is another in the fire. They had faith that God knew what he was doing, and we have to have that faith too. Lastly, number six, no matter what, they were going to serve God. 
they said, they told King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, God can save us. He is able to do this. But if not, they say, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Either way, no matter what happens, whether we get saved from the fire or not, we're not worshiping your gods. They're going to serve the true God. We're going into the new year, and if you're a resolution maker, this is a great resolution to make, right? This is a great New Year's resolution to make that no matter what, I am going to serve God. No matter whether this trial comes out the way that I want it to or it doesn't, I know God's with me and I'm going to choose to serve him. It is truly impossible to know what is coming for us in the new year. But from the story of Daniel, we know some things that we should be doing. They had already decided to serve God before they were challenged. They had already purposed in their heart, is what the Bible says, that Daniel did. It wasn't even a a, a thinking matter when he got to it. I've already decided I'm going to serve God. They continued to serve God when the world tried to change them. The world's going to try to change you in 2020. You have to continue to conform to the image of Christ. They were courageous enough to stand against sin. I guarantee you there's going to be opportunities for you to take a stand against sin. They knew God could save them from the fire that they were in. I don't know what fire you're going to go through in 2020. I don't know what fire I'm going to go through in 2020. But I do know that if God wants to, if it's God's will, he can save me from it. I just have to believe that as I'm in it. They knew that God was in control. Whether or not God did it in in their plan or their time, God was in control. He had a purpose in what he was doing. And no matter what, they were going to serve God. No matter what, they were going to serve him. 2020 is coming and I don't know what hardships you will face, but I do know this, there is another in the fire. God may not do what you want him to or solve problems the way that you think he should, but you can rest in the fact that he is with you. Today, I want all of you to decide that no matter what I face in this coming year, I will continue to serve God. It's truly amazing what God can do with a person, with a, 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 one individual even, with four men. Imagine if everybody in this room decided to do this. It's amazing what God can do with a person who is willing to serve him with all that they have. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to put it all on the table. They were willing to burn in a seven times heated, burning, fiery furnace for God. Imagine if we were all on that level. The impact, the difference that we could make.